0: You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 5720 Ridge Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. So, like I said, Psalm 40 is a good place to start because we're getting into an emotional landscape tonight. That's what I want us to do. But first we have to go back to 2011, which isn't far back enough. But that's when the story starts. In 2011... I took a sojourn, a pilgrimage to my hometown. First time I went there as an adult. And guess what my perception of Riverside, California had changed. I lived only the first eight years of my life there in Riverside. And then our whole family moved to the East Coast. You know, we had made a few trips back there over the years to visit family and friends. um, But it was the first time I was navigating there. Uh, visiting all my old haunts as like a driver of a car or a walker of a body and uh, You know, I went to all the places that I loved um, And it was really fun to try to find my way around town I went to the Marcy Branch library next to the Schnitzel, which we never went to I Went to Shammel Park where they had since added snazzy new baseball fields Jefferson Elementary where I had played for so many days of recess except when there was a smog alert. We weren't allowed to go outside. Uh, That's Southern California, folks. Oh, they even had the, uh, the old play equipment where we used to play Toilet Monster Tack. My brother Joel knows about that. We'll tell you about it later. It's a very ingenious game. I don't know who invented it. But I was most pleased that I was able to find my way all the way across town without using maps or... Google or anything. I was able to find my way from the house that we lived in on Sierra Street across town to my grandparents' house on La Drive. This is using my memories of eight years old. I was able to navigate, I was using my feelings. And uh, I was so pleased that, it, that we made it there. But I also remember that this trip Getting across town, when I was using my feelings, like driving in the car, getting across town, it took a really long time. Just as long as it took when I was a kid. Man, the trip to grandma's house is a really long time. But then, when I drove back from, you know, this is 2011, as an adult, as a driver of a car, as a navigator, using my feelings, successfully making it to Laconte Drive. When I came back, it was like, wow, actually, it's not that far at all. It's like just you know, boop, 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 there you're there. I had experienced the return trip effect. Y'all know this? Yeah. Scientists have, have actually researched the return trip effect. They think that it might have something to do with being the navigator, wondering, like paying close attention to what's happening. Time kind of slows down because all those details make it seem like we're moving in slow motion because we need to find exactly where we're going. We have that kind of anxiety all the time. Do I turn here? Do I turn here? Here? I think that when I was a kid, I never retur- had, had not yet experienced the return trip effect because I was never navigating. I was always you know, just in my own world, in the backseat of this big Dodge van that my parents drove around town. And I never got used to the way. I was looking at the funny sign on the liquor store or the the man waiting at the corner with his dog to cross the street. I was looking at the reflection of our van in the car next to us and how it seemed like we were going backwards or forwards depending upon the velocity of each car. These are the memories of getting to grandma's house when I'm seven. But as an adult in 2011, I was mastering my environment, making up for years of absence and the impotence of being a child. By the end of the trip, I had shrunk Riverside down to the size of my perception. I knew how the freeways worked. And yes, we call them freeways out there. No tolls on the West Coast. You know, where to get off and which way to turn to get here, there, back again. I had achieved the return trip effect for all kinds of places across town, to my grandparents' new house, to the Starbucks that had a drive-through. And there weren't that many on the East Coast at this point. It was very exciting. to the historic downtown and back. I knew my way all over town, no Google Maps. I was dominating Riverside in the sense of like being in control. And I think that I was, in a sense, it was so important to me, and I'm still telling you about it seven years later, because I was proving that I was indeed grown. I had a child. I took my child to visit my grandparents. That was the, that was the purpose of the trip. However, for all my nostalgic wonder about returning to my hometown, there was one part of the trip that remained completely unfamiliar. Riverside, California is situated about 30 miles south of the San Bernardino Mountains. And when I returned to the area, I was shocked to
1: see them on the horizon everywhere I turned. There are these mountains up in the
0: sky Coming over a ridge on the way to my grandparents' house, and there they were, majestic and white-capped. You know, getting on the freeway, and there they were, straight ahead, coming out of town. There they were again. They were everywhere, and I had no visual memory of these mountains. I could get across town from Sierra Street to Laconte Drive, but I didn't know there were these beautiful mountains. I had no memory of them. Where I live now. In Camden County, the highest point is 215 feet above sea level. The San Bernardino Mountains top out at 11,000 feet above sea level. And yet, I had no memory of these mountains. There they are. That's like the center of town there, Mount Rubidoux, and you can see them, beautiful there in the distance. Although this fan is making everything wave, do we like that? We like that? We like the undulating screen? All right, thanks. Yeah, actually put it right on me. Yeah,
1: that's good. Oh, maybe that's why. Oh, sorry team. Here, I can do
0: this one in solidarity, I think. Yeah, okay. So another trip that I took actually, I'm 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 still taking all my nostalgia bender with me, okay? One of the trips that I took that took about exactly the same amount of time was walking from our house on Sierra Street to the local Dairy Queen about a mile away. This was a trip that I was allowed to make with my brothers as a kid. So I had had already been the operator of a a human body making that trip. And so I knew it would take just about as long as it did. Uh, And testing out these ridiculous mountains I, on the way back from Dairy Queen, I, I, I scanned all of the horizons, and it just so happened that there were no views of the San Bernardino Mountains from Sierra Street. So I'm a little vindicated here. Because the, the edge of my traversed area, where I was allowed to go on my own, in my own tiny little neighborhood, seven-year-old rain, there, were, there weren't any San Bernardino Mountains. They didn't exist in that place. And here's my, here's my metaphor, all right? I think that a lot of us live on a tiny, little, emotional street. We live on, on a, maybe even stuck in a seven-year-old kind of space where we can only get so far. And it's, and it's not that we don't want to look up to the horizon, to these majestic mountains, deep and deep valleys and and high white-capped peaks. It's not that we don't want that. It's just that we don't have a perspective for it. We don't see that far. You know, the the one-story houses just don't happen to give us a view. We're caught up in the daily grind of our very well-worn paths to Dairy Queen or the adult version of Dairy Queen Unless you still work at Dairy Queen, I think that's fine. I bet if you get a manager job, it's a fine career. We often describe our emotions in in such limited ways, right? I'm good. I'm fine. I'm okay. Wait a second. You're not good or fine. So if you're only okay, should I ask? Like, does okay mean like not excellent? Because if you're not excellent, then I have to ask about it, or I'm a jerk. Um, or is it okay just like the thing you say? And, you really want to just keep going and not talk about it? Would Would you even know how to answer if I wanted to ask you what it's really like? You know, I think that our common discourse about our emotions is often like my tiny little seven-year-old map. Maybe it can get across town, but it can't see the mountains because it's too difficult to even just pay attention. It's 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 too difficult to uh, get out beyond the edges of what's normal because Out there, our our emotional maps kind of look like this. You get out to the edge of the known world and there be dragons. Because the unknown is a dragon. The way that we talk to each other about our feelings influences how we're able to access what's going on inside of us. What's acceptable conversation about how you're doing? Are you just gonna be Debbie Downer and tell me that you're actually sad? That's not okay. And I'm not, you know, Sometimes it's just not the right place to get into it, but we have to have some place where we can go climb some mountains, right? Like, we need, we need to get off of Sierra Street occasionally. And I think that the Bible helps us do that, and, and, and Circle of Hope is designed for us to, to have those spaces regularly. But it's still hard to access them, okay? It's still hard to remember uh, what, what the mountains look like if we don't pay attention all the time. All of a sudden there are mountains and we're like, where did those come from? But they're there, okay? Let's all agree that you have mountains inside of you Mm -hmm. and they're unexplored. And that's not because you're bad at emoting or talking about your emotions, you haven't been doing enough therapy or something. Let's just (laughs) accept that that's the baseline of being a human being. You are a mountainous region. There are lots of places inside you that you don't even know and that's okay. Tonight I want to explore some of those mountains and, and have the Psalms help us do it. Jeffy and the team were getting us there with Psalm 40, like, no, what, what does this actually matter to you? Like, what are you having trouble waiting for right now? Why is this not just what David was saying about his tricky circumstance? What? How can I appropriate this for my actual emotional map right now? We, when we go with the songs, we see the full spectrum of emotions. Total anger, total despair, joy, fear. It's all there. And Jesus uses this language even in his moment of biggest fear and despair on the cross. He he quotes a psalm, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some people even think that, you know, it's this like very forsaking moment, but he might have been, like, tagging in the end when there's this triumph afterwards. You know, people's, he, had, he had a full understanding of what was going on in the Psalms, and it was kind of his emotional language. It's his prayer language for the people. And I think it's really helpful to have those set prayers, those places that we can go that can stir some stuff, stuff up in us because we're not equally good or equally available or um, equally capable. Of spelunking, getting down in the caves, climbing to the tops of, of those white capped mountains. So, I want to bite off Psalm 85 tonight, one of my favorite Psalms, uh, as a way to answer the question what do I do when there's not enough hope? Psalm 85 ends in this beautiful vision of the future. But it starts in the past, moves through the present, and then into the future. And I want to bite it off in those kinds of chunks. So it starts, oh, there's the whole thing. And I have it split up into those that timeline. Oh, Let's have someone read it. Let's have someone read it now so we can kind of get the, the lay of the land. Lord, you were favorable to
1: your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people You pardoned all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath and turned in your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation. Put away your indignation towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, when he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet justice Peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness <coughs> will spring up from the ground, and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him, and will make a path for his step.
0: Thanks, Aaron. The psalmist starts with the past. Remembering what is what God has done for the people of Israel telling that story which describes God as liberator and deliverer, and in this case, a forgiver. I think this would be a good place for us all to start in our prayer, reminding ourselves who God is and who we are in relationship with God. When you, when you want to pray and you don't even know like what to ask, Um, or or it's not even, you you just don't even know where to start. You're kind of a big mess. Start with the stuff you know about God. And not just, and and it could be fine. Maybe memorize this one. That's good enough. But who is God is a great place to start in prayer. I've seen preachers do the, have you ever known the preacher, like the deacon in your church that starts off the prayer and it sounds like it's going to go into a full sermon? You know, like it's just going to like, who God is, and it's just expounding, expounding. It goes through the whole story of the Old Testament and, this, and salvation. Some of, some of you are church people, and you know this person. I used to despise that guy. Like, like, you're just, like, talking. Like, you're doing exactly what Jesus says not to do about fancy talking on the corners in the Sermon on the Mount. But you know what? I really need that guy sometimes. And sometimes it's a woman, too, but it's usually a, a, a very uh, hearty dude, in my experience who's is, who is just taking the opportunity to tell God who God is. And tell us,
1: it's
0: like, what, what's going on? No, we actually need that. I need to start work. I need to start with something. And sometimes I don't even have anything else to say. Something I don't even know how I feel or what, what to do. But I am sure of, of who God is and what Jesus has done. So I might start there. So we start in the past. Who is God? And what has God done? You could talk about what God did for Israel. You could talk about what God did in Jesus for you. Those are great places to start. It would be better, though, if you figured out what God did for you this week or how God was present to you even now. Uh, Francis of Assisi is a favorite around here. And his one of his prayers that got popularized was, who am I, God? who are you that's like a place to start you can start by answering that question and when I'm answering that question I'm often this little seven-year-old boy in my prayer and the prayer is I'm I'm the the boy sitting here in this front yard watching these sparrows that you made Millions of them. And I'm the boy that doesn't grow tired of them. I'm the boy that still wants to see what they're going to do. That's my prayer. I'm trying to get into something. trying to get into who God is, what God has done, why it matters to me now. You could spend a retreat quietly answering that question. It's a great place to start in your prayer and to kind of open up this prayer landscape. Then the psalmist moves into the present. God, it seems like you're mad at me. What did I do? Do you see what they're saying there? Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? This is not the deal. I don't want it to be like this and this is how it feels. No. a good prayer too. Anger is really easy for a lot of people to tap into. Tap into it. You can be mad at God. You're allowed. You're probably wrong. But don't don't just like hate yourself for that. Just be who you are and be mad. There are other emotions too though. Especially for men though, anger is an easy one to access. Go somewhere where you can yell at God. Please. Save your spouse. This song gets told, or this song got um, told from the perspective of the Babylonian exile. The Babylonians' empire, their, their method for destabilizing a population was to take all the rich and educated people out of it so that you can leave behind a nice little underclass to exploit and work the land for you. And so the, the, the people that are up in Babylon They have kids that were born in Babylon. And they're like, this is fine. and this is fine. I'm okay with this. And the old heads are freaking out. (laughs) My kid's gonna be Babylonian. This is not okay, no. Lots of reasons to be angry. Lots of reasons to be desperate. It was a rough 70 years, especially for these folks that were so connected to their, their land. I think this psalm goes very well with the perception stuff that I was talking about earlier. Getting stuck in the same old emotional and spiritual patterns is a lot like getting stuck in Babylon, growing up into a Babylonian box, being exactly in the confines of something that you were not designed for, but kind of being okay with it. The mountains are beyond our range. Real talk with God is not allowed. Don't access it. Just say the good things. Say okay and fine to God too. No, don't say okay. You have to say good and fine. Okay is not good enough for God. No one actually. Did. I don't think any of you need to really believe that, but I think we we start acting like that. We're just stuck in a pattern. No no one would articulate that because we've got Jesus on our team, saying you know his most famous thing in first in John three sixteen and seventeen for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For he did not come to condemn the world, but to redeem it through him. You no, know, we can't be bad. We can't be stuck there. We can't be like punished forever. That's not gonna happen. And I but I, I still think that's actually where we live most of the time. Well, hopefully you don't. But I think a lot of people do. Live in this condemned place. This is bad. I'm bad. That's the only thing that makes sense. If if I were good, my life wouldn't be so bad. I wouldn't be so angry. I wouldn't be so jammed up inside. Letting it out, letting ourselves see it, helps us to see that it's not so true. When you shout something, you feel ridiculous, but it feels good too. When you write something down, it's out there now, and you're like, huh, or you tell yourself group about it, and it's like they respond back to you. Something happens in that. And I know I'm only focusing on anger, but it works for all of the emotions, and especially the negative ones, which are the ones that we want to um, tamp down. And by the way, anger is not necessarily a negative emotion. Let's just be clear about that too. This is expanding our horizons. But the place where it really gets expanded, the place where the mountains spring into the the horizon is here at the end in the future. I wanna read this part again to you because this is why it's my favorite. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak. Pause. That's, That's the first, the most important part of this last section. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak. It's like the psalmist wrote this down, they got this far, and hit control S, and walked away for a bit. Like, okay. They had to go take a walk around the block. They had to figure out what is the Lord going to speak? Because this is where I am. This is where I've been. This is how I'm feeling. Now, like God. And I think they had to like walk around for a couple of years to come up with this beautiful piece. I'm thinking this psalm took years to write because this is too good. For he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Justice and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and will make a path for His steps. This is like the San Bernardino Mountains. For my seven-year-old eyes, there is more. There is much, much more than we can even imagine. Just the act of seeing how much further there is to go gives us freedom to explore and express that there is a future, and it's so beautiful. It, It unites what we can't seem to unite, peace and justice need for some order and the need to forgive they're going to get together they often seem like they're all the way across town and they're hanging out right next to each other Psalm 85 is often interpreted eschatologically which is a fancy word uh, for having to do with eschaton which means the last day Uh, the day when Jesus returns. It's not just the return of the Israelites to Israel. That's where this story is happening. It's the return of Jesus. It's a future cast that that goes beyond the immediate context. And if that future exists, it kind of opens stuff up. If that future is real, it kind of makes me feel freer. Like there's more to do and to to know and to love and to, to see. A future that goes beyond my immediate context is exactly what I need to get free from this captivity of the daily grind, of the path just down the street. The confinement that I feel emotionally and spiritually. We can't get the return trip effect from this future. We can't go there and come back and kind of get a well-trod path between then and now. It exists perpetually as a matter of trust. We can see the promise and trust the promise that God has, but we don't get to climb those mountains just yet. God, who is intimately present then and now, is with us, calling us towards them, but they're a long way off. And I don't know about you, but that, I, that makes me feel good. Maybe it's how I'm wired, maybe that kind of, that might make you feel anxious, not not knowing the way forward. Yeah, that, that, that's an okay way to be. I get excited about it, you get anxious about it. it. We're still going in the same direction together. We can't prove our capacity to this future. We can't even prove its existence to us. It is a matter of trust. So, When it's hard to hope, when we feel stuck in a relationship, usually a pattern of relationship because we've all got those. You do that thing that you always do. When we feel stuck under the powers that be. I mean, the US empire doesn't give us much hope these days. It's easy to feel desperate. Will anything ever change? Is this really what we're gonna do? When the bank account and the savings account do not line up with the bills and the future that you have planned for yourself and your children, when you haven't worked it all out yet and your retirement is also the San Bernardino Mountains, again, when we feel stuck, God will lead us through those spaces, past, present, and future. In the past, we remind ourselves who God is, and what God has done, both in the Bible and in our own lives. In the present, we can get real with God, get the poison out. So how we really feel can be expanded and our emotional territory can get bigger. And then in the future, we can find space on the other side of our captivity. It's not just the same thing. We can listen for a future that is bigger than anything we've ever known. We need a bigger horizon to know that this is not it. Then we can live in wider spaces and experience a wider freedom to be and do what we are called to do. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one
1: under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.